On this episode of Rev Hang, Ben and I talk about the MotoGP Spanish Grand Prix, the 3R race at Laguna Seca, and the Formula One Miami Grand Prix. Let's do it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rev Hang. I'm your host, Nathan Nevue, and alongside me digitally is my good friend and co-host, Ben Bagley. How's it going, Ben? It's a beautiful snowy day in May, and I'm ready to talk about some racing. Yeah, you guys are getting some uh, some inclement weather up there. How's that been? It's cold. I just want it to be sunny. I have things to do outside. Yeah, well, uh, it is mid-May now, so hopefully the sun is just around the corner for you. Yeah, I was real jealous of the weather at the Spanish Grand Prix for MotoGP, and especially the Miami GP weather. It looked so warm there. Oh, yeah. It was very warm in Miami uh, for the Formula One race, and it looked pretty nice for the Spanish GP as well in MotoGP. And speaking of which, why don't we just dive right into MotoGP? We've got a few races to talk about, so we'll start there. So the Spanish Grand Prix was at the Jerez circuit, um, used primarily for MotoGP. Most other car series don't race there because it is purpose-designed for bikes. So after the start, um, Benyaya, Francesco Benyaya, he had a really good start, and he led the entire race. This race wasn't super exciting, <laughs> not going to lie, there wasn't a ton of action, but Benyaya rode a great race, uh, along with Cordoraro, who spent his entire race stuck right behind Benyaya in second place. I'd say the highlight of this race for me was uh, the battle for third for that podium spot between Miller, Marquez, and uh, Espargaro. Yes, Miller, Marquez, and Espargaro had a pretty pretty heated battle towards the end of the race. With about four laps left, Espargaro actually uh, went to go past Jack Miller, and Mark Marquez made a mistake. He was in third place ahead of the two. Or, no, he was in fourth place, my bad. Uh, or no, because he passed Miller, so he would have been in third place ahead of Jack Miller and Elias Espargaro, and then Espargaro went to pass Miller, Marquez made a mistake in front of them, and Espargaro ended up overtaking both of them in one corner, which was pretty exciting to watch. Yeah, that was a a really close race for the three of them for a, a long portion of the race. That was... I was surprised how close they were staying to each other for as long as they did. Yeah, that was the the two big races at the front were between the top two and then the next three. Uh, that was those were the big scraps, and then you know there were a couple of championship contenders that actually crashed out in the middle of the race, like Joan Zarco and uh, Alex Rins. They crashed out early on and uh, were not able to recover to the points, as is pretty much the case if you crash in MotoGP. <laughs> yeah, it was it was rough to see Rins, who was doing so well in a lot of the early races this season, uh, just kind of lose that opportunity to score points this time. Yeah, it was too bad. Uh, speaking of losing the opportunity to score points, Jorge Martin crashed, and he has DNF'd now four of the six races that we've had so far, and he's... <laughs> That's not the ideal start to the season, I'd say. I'd say consistency is key, but maybe not in this respect. Yeah, maybe the you might want to flip the script on that one a little bit. But uh, he he is guaranteed 
and has already signed a deal with Ducati, and he will be in the sport next year driving, writing for Ducati, which is kind of one of the top teams in the sport. Um, I would say the equivalent to Ferrari in Formula One is uh, Ducati in MotoGP. But, um, yeah, he, he definitely wants to turn his season around so that they don't have second thoughts on that deal. Because yeah, in racing, anything Especially can happen. with uh, Francesco and Jack Miller running such great races uh, for Ducati this race. Right. Yeah, they're going to want him to be up there with them, uh, riding on the same kind of level. But, yeah, that was that was pretty much all that happened. There wasn't too much overtaking after the start. Uh, no one really... No one really cut through the field at all. It was really just a uh, straight line kind of... <laughs> I don't really know what else to usual. say. Yep. Um, so I guess we'll just go into the results. Uh, winning the race was Francesco Bagnaia. Coming in second was Fabio Cordararo, followed by Alesa Spargaro, Mark Marquez, Jack Miller, Joan Mir, Ta- Takaaki Nakagami, Enea Bastianini. Marco Bedzecki, Brad Binder, Paul Spargaro, Miguel Oliveira, Alex Marquez, Maverick Vinales, Franco Morbidelli, Luca Marini, Andrea Davizioso, Fabio G. Gian Antonio, <laughs> Alex Rins, Remy Gardner, Lorenzo Savadori, Jorge Martin, and then the three DNFs were Stefan Bradel, um, Johan Zarco, and Darren Binder. Lots of names. Lots of fun names there. Okay, now let's talk about the championship. Uh, We'll give a general championship update since it's been a few weeks. In first place in the championship is Fabio Cordararo with 89 points, followed by Alesa Spargaro with 82 points, and Inea Bastianini with 69 points. He is tied with Alex Renz at 69 points for third place, actually. And fourth place is actually tied as well. Or, well, I guess it'd be fifth. But, yeah, pretty close up to the top. Anything Yeah, change? so in MotoGP, is it kind of the same point scoring system as Formula? I'm not super familiar with it. Um, Give me two seconds. I don't remember off the top of my head. But I am on RevHang.com looking at the standings right now, and I can tell you. Oh my gosh. Get that little plug in there. That was very smooth. (laughs) Alright, so first place is 25 points. Second place is 20 points. Third place is 16. Fourth is 13. Uh, Fifth is 11. Sixth is 10. Seventh is 9 points. 8th is 8 points, Ninth is 7 points, and then I think it just mirrors down all the way to 15th, where you get 1 point. Huh, interesting. Yep, so it looks like top top 15 drivers get points, which is markedly different than F1. Yeah, that's interesting. So, all the way down to Takaaki Nakagami uh, scored points today. Yeah. Neat. Uh, well, he's in, he's in 15th in the championship. Yeah. Uh, oh, ha. Yeah, I was looking at the wrong one. Never mind. Yeah, Franco Morbidelli scored one point today, or this last race. There but you go. Yeah. That sums up our <laughs> short take on MotoGP. 
Now let's move on to IMSA. We had a three-hour-long race at Laguna Seca, which is my favorite track in the United States. Such a good track. Oh, it's so good. Um, but yeah, we had the Monterey Sports Car Championship uh, about a week ago. It was the week before the Miami GP. This is the classic IMSA race we've been talking about with the DPI class, LMP2, GTD Pro, and GTD. So we'll start with the DPI race. Uh, it started out pretty uneventful. Um, Albuquerque, well, it was Ricky Taylor actually, started the race and took a pretty pretty early lead and uh, drove off into the distance a little bit um, until the number one of Sebastian Bourdais had a technical failure, which caused a full course yellow, and that uh, slowed everybody down a little bit. Um but after that, Blanc, uh, Tom Blomkvist, <laughs> after the pit stops, was able to undercut Albuquerque, who was in the first place car at the time, and pass him with the fresh hot tire, the, yeah, the fresh but hotter tires, um, while Albuquerque was still warming up. So the undercut is still a thing outside of Formula One, which is nice to know. <laughs> Although you'll notice in this race... Uh, off the results, it wasn't quite as effective. Yes, so Blancfist passed Albuquerque, but then uh, Albuquerque absolutely sent it three wide into the corkscrew, which is one of the most famous corners in the United States. Um, you don't go three wide through the corkscrew, but he did, no. and it worked. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's impressive to see what drivers from IndyCar, DPI, etc. are able to do through that stupid downhill corkscrew on Laguna yeah, Seca. So for people who don't know the track and are unfamiliar with this corkscrew we're referring to, it is a um, Laguna Seca is a racetrack that goes up and down a very large hill. And uh, so at the top of the hill, there is this turn to the left. It's basically a 90 degree turn to the left into a 180 degree loop downhill six stories to the right. Um, it sounds insane, and it is. <laughs> I I literally cannot hit that corner right whenever I drive that track. I I can't do it twice in a row for sure. Oh, it's so difficult. Uh, the braking zone such is a, uphill. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. Man. It's such a weird corner. It drops almost sixty feet from uh turn eight to the exit of turn eight A, which is kind of that intermediate corner in the corkscrew. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's absurd. It takes all the weight going up the hill off of your front wheels, and then it slams it back down as you're going down. So you, you understeer as you approach the the crest of the hill, and then you oversteer once you hit mid-corner, and it's just really difficult to to nail if you're not used to it. Yeah, if you, if you get on the gas a little too much, especially on the way down the hill to the right, you will definitely spin out, and we saw that. Happened a couple times last year in the IndyCar race, and we did see a couple of drivers go off at the corkscrew during the IMSA race this year as well. We also saw Roman Grosjean last year. Didn't he essentially jump over a car on the corkscrew? Uh, I, I don't know about that. I'm pretty but sure I remember I that. I'll have to look that up He again, did do but, something uh, insane. I, I, I do remember he, at the very least, had a crazy moment on the corkscrew. I don't remember exactly what happened, but uh, yeah. yeah. No, that, that it's a corner challenging is nuts. track. It's a very hard track. All the corners are 
unique and have their own sort of personalities. Turn one is super long. Uh, well, it's actually turn two technically. It's yeah. a super long left hand hairpin that you you have to hit two different apexes to do it correctly, and it's very difficult to get the breaking right. Yeah, we um, saw a couple of drivers spin out there on the M series today. Yep. Uh, as well as turn four, which is another long left-hander up a hill, yeah, off camber to the right. So again, if you get on the gas too much, you're gonna spin out. It's it's wild. This track is nuts, and I love it. And most people love it. Yeah. Another challenge of this track environmentally is all the it's so dusty around that area. All the curbs are dusty. So we saw a couple of drivers hit the curb or just nip into the dirt a little bit too much, and it essentially just removes all the grip from whatever tires. Uh, decided to venture onto the curb too far and we saw a couple of crashes because of that too actually yeah uh, one of the exit on the exit of turn four if you go wide into the dirt you will get your two right hand tires dirty or dusty at the very least uh, which decreases your grip actually quite considerably more than you would think um so and then there's a very fast right hand turn right after that corner. So and you, there's not enough time to get the dirt off your tires. So if you if you go into the dirt at the exit of turn four, you have to be prepared to not have the amount of grip that you would usually have at turn five, which some drivers forgot about <laughs> and ended up in the wall. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell that Nathan and I play a lot of video games with Luganisake in them? Oh yeah. <laughs> we know the track pretty well and I've never been there. I've never probably been within ten miles of there. This year. <laughs> this year I'll go to Monterey Car we can see it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I that that's really exciting. You get to go this year? I think so. I'm gonna try. Nice. That'll be fun. Alright. Uh so the DPI class ended up uh the winner ended up being Ricky Taylor and Philippe Albuquerque followed by the car driven by Oliver Jarvis and Tom Blancfist, and then in third place, Pip Durrani and Tristan Nunez. So moving on to LMP2. Yeah, this, this, this class was extremely uneventful. Really nothing happened. It was a straight line of cars mixed through the field, and uh, after the start, there was pretty much no racing in this class, which kind of stinks, but... Yeah. There was some action. Uh, Juan Pablo Montoya, formula, former F1 driver, IndyCar driver, you name it, he's driven it. He spun in the pit lane, which was very odd to see for a driver that is so experienced. And it took him a while to get back going, too. He just kind of sat there for a little bit. Yeah, he probably stalled, if I were to guess, but uh, I don't know. So the results for the LMP2 class was winning the class John Ferrano and Louis Delatraz in second place was the car driven by Dwight, Mer Dwight Merriman and Ryan DL and in third place was the car driven by Henrik Hedman and Juan Pablo Montoya so even though he spun in the pit lane he still got on the podium so nice job to him all right moving on to the GTD Pro class which is GT3 cars essentially driven by professionals so there were a ton of GTD Pro cars in this race, and a lot of them were actually battling with the LMP2 cars. It, they seem to be pretty close to the same speed, even though they're very different in how they work. Yeah, I think the track really benefited the, the GTD Pro cars and kind of reduced the margin that you'd normally see. 
There's a lot of traffic for those LMP2 cars with the GTD Pro cars so close. Yeah, I think that might be part of the reason why there wasn't a lot of great racing in LMP2 is because the GTD Pro cars were mixed right in there. Yeah, well, even with the uh, DPI cars, they're some serious... Uh, one of the reasons Albuquerque was able to stay in front and also some of the reason he almost lost it was just because there's so much traffic to weave through at a lot of these corners. Yeah, he did have a couple of moments with traffic, and that three-wide overtake was also... Uh, one of the cars was a lapped car. A, I think it was just a regular GTD car, and then the other car was Tom Blanc, Blanc Fist. I can't say his name right. It's the QV it's really that difficult. throws me off. It, it's so many consonants. We're sorry, Tom. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, there was that. The the class leader ended up winning by over 30 seconds, so it wasn't really, there wasn't really a battle for the lead, but there was a three-way battle for second at the end, which was entertaining to watch. But the results for the GTD Pro class winning the class was the car driven by Matt Campbell and Matthew Jaminet, followed by Jack Hawksworth and Ben Barnacote, and then Connor DeFilippi and John Edwards. Moving on to the GTD class, which is the same cars as the class before, but driven by people who don't have as much experience. They were pretty scrappy at the back of the field for the whole race. Uh, lots of <laughs> lots of wheel banging and people shoving people off the track. You can <laughs> you can tell that these guys are uh, really going for it. Trying to get I always like watching the, the GTD non-pro class. It's always entertaining to watch at the very least. Yeah, it's because like these these drivers are still obviously really good, but they are not professionals. So it's kind of a little different. They oftentimes pay for their own car, and uh, so it's it's kind of just different in the in the mindset of racing. You're kind of paying to do it rather than getting paid to do it. Um, so that that I I can imagine is where a lot of the mindset comes from. But um, yeah, there were tons of accidents in this class, as you would probably expect. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely saw a trend of some AMGs getting uh, a little comfy with the tire walls in some corners. Yeah, like we were talking about earlier, that was the car that went off the track and got his tires dusty and then didn't make the next turn. Uh, it was one of the Mercedes cars. Uh, I don't remember exactly who it was, but the uh, the BMW cars ran really well. They were first and second in class. Um, so... Good job to BMW. This is their first year, I believe, in this series, and uh, they've been picking it up over the over the last couple of races. So it's good to see them doing well when they're uh, kind of rookies in the sport this year. Yeah, almost makes up for the the way that they look. Yeah, I don't like the new M4s or well any of the M series. The way they look, yeah. at least it's just the the grill is too large. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways. <laughs> But, yeah, that is a topic of conversation for another car podcast. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the class was really close at the end, too. The top five, I believe, finished within, like, 10 or 15 seconds of the lead car. So it was pretty packed all the way through. It was only a three-hour race, to be fair. But still, uh, within 15 seconds in a three-hour race, uh, to have the top five is pretty pretty cool. So the results for the GTD class 
Winning the class was Ryan Hardwick and Yan Halen. Yes, that is Yan Halen, not Van Halen. I I blinked <laughs> for a little bit there. It's all good. <laughs> Second place was uh, Robert McGinnis and Jeff Westfall. Uh, in third place was Robbie Foley and Bill Oberlin. So we're not going to go through the standings for these cars um, over the course of the season, really. We might go through about halfway, maybe for the summer break, uh, the F1 summer break. I think we'll do a podcast of, uh, about halfway through that. Maybe we can dive into the standings so far then, but I think it's just a little too convoluted to go through everything with all of these different classes going at the same time. <laughs> yeah that's a good call especially since we have a brand new grand prix to talk about yeah let's move right into formula one and the miami grand prix the inaugural miami grand prix the inaugural crypto.com miami grand prix yes <laughs> i forgot to add the sponsor in on this script my bad <laughs> oh it's not worth talking about right yeah i might as well just stop now <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh the qualifying was pretty crazy. This this kind of I I had the whole during the whole weekend, I just had this Monaco vibe. It just feels like Monaco or Baku. It's just such a tight street circuit that's super ruthless if you make a mistake on it. Yeah, and that's part of the part of the part that I like about this track. So far, at least. I think there are definitely refinements that they can make to certain areas. But overall, I was pretty impressed with the layout and the kind of racing that it generated. Yeah. Qualifying was pretty close at the top. Leclerc ended up on pole, followed by Sainz and Verstappen. Um, and then uh, I don't think anybody crashed during qualifying, actually. It was all during the practice sessions where we had tons and tons of accidents and red flags everywhere. There were people going into the same wall over and over again. The prerequisite <laughs> science crash? Yep, we had the prerequisite science crash, so you can check that off of your Formula One bingo. Um, we should do that. That'd be a cool <laughs> idea. We'll start That'd be kind of entertaining. Yeah, I'll, I'll think about how we could possibly implement that in the future. Yeah. But uh, let's move on to the race. Uh, in the first part of the race, at the start, Max got a pretty good start, ending up alongside Carlos Sainz in turn one. Uh, he ended up getting better traction and passing him in turn two, um, putting him in second place until, I believe, lap nine, where he then overtook Charles Leclerc and... Uh, had the lead of the race but uh russell did not have a good start he started i think 11th or 12th and then dropped to like 15th so he made his race pretty hard but he did actually quite well so we'll talk about that a little more later but uh then schumacher kind of had a little scrap with sunoda a little bit um on lap seven uh guan yu zhou then had a mechanical failure, and I feel really bad for this guy because he's he's had what two or three DNFs, and I don't think any of them other than the crash at Imola in the sprint race. I don't think any of them were his fault. I think it was the car. Yeah, no, it's pretty unfortunate considering the racing that we've actually seen out of him when his car works. 
yeah, he generally does pretty well, at least up there uh, kind of in the top 10 area. At least getting points, which as a rookie in F1 is pretty impressive. It's no small feat. Yeah, points is kind of the big big goal for rookies. If you can get points, you generally had a pretty good weekend. But uh, after that, Max took the lead, out, of course. And then Daniel Ricciardo dove down the inside of Yuki Tsunoda on lap 10. This was one of my contenders for overtake of the week. Didn't end up getting it, but uh, he braked <laughs> he braked so much later than Tsunoda. And you could see it on the broadcast. You could see the speed change like... It was it was nuts how late Ricardo broke and he was you know he has the nickname the last of the lake breakers. Yeah, a true a certified Ricardo moment right there. Yeah, burning his nickname, the honey badger in action. <laughs> yeah, but, too bad he uh, didn't get a little more action during the race. Yeah, this this race wasn't too exciting either. Unfortunately, most of the race was pretty dull, um, but it did get a little spicy at the end. Yes. But uh, after Ricardo passed Tsunoda, it was kind of just uh, just the DRS trains around the track for 10, 20, 30 laps. Norris and Alonso had bad pit stops uh, that set them back a little bit. Norris's was actually really bad, and uh, he got stuck behind some cars stuck in traffic and was really unable to advance in the field after that. So that kind of sucked for him. Um, and then, but you know, not as much his as race it was didn't, going to. Yeah, right. His race wasn't going to get much better after that. <laughs> uh, so on lap 20, Sergio Perez uh, called over the radio saying that he was losing power in his engine. And every Red Bull's heart just sank because we had a feeling we knew what was coming next. But yeah, everybody's waiting for it. Yeah. But he regained power and was able to continue, but he did lose about seven seconds on one of the straights. Yeah, that which... was that was rough to watch because, I mean, he was just pretty consistent. It didn't seem like any technical problem on his part in terms of racing. It just, the car was all of a sudden just not as fast. Yeah, he was right behind Carlos Sainz. It seemed like he was kind of pacing him and just biding his time waiting to waiting to pass him when he kind of had better tires or whatever. But, uh, yeah, he lost about 20, well, a lot of horsepower. And uh, until they were able to fix the engine and get him going again, he uh, he was super slow. But it was kind of funny to yeah. listen to him argue with his team when his team was telling him, ah, oh, no, the engine's fine, you're good, engine's keep going. Fine. He's like, uh, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's and not then fine. his engineer realizes, like, oh, no. We have the Mercedes button switched on. <laughs> yeah, the the brake magic. <laughs> yeah. Your car automatically drops 10 seconds versus the race leader. Oh, yeah. So Perez regained power lap 21, um, and then the pit stops really started happening with Hamilton diving in on lap 23, followed by Leclerc on lap 25, and Verstappen on lap 27. And then Sainz and Perez both pitted on lap 28. Most of these pit stops were pretty good. I think Sainz had a really bad one. But, yeah, no, Sainz had a bad pit stop. Uh, yes. Which set him back kind of closer to Perez. And if Perez did not have that engine problem, he would have jumped Sainz in the pit stop. <laughs> so yeah. that's kind of unfortunate. 
Yep, and then we had a, a nice little meeting of minds between Gasly and Norris later on lap 40. Yeah, Alonso and Gasly collided uh, on, I think, lap 38 or 39, which did some damage to Gasly's car and made it way harder to drive. So he made a mistake on lap 40, I believe, uh, going wide into one of the turns, which sent him wide into the next turn. Like I said, this track is ruthless and punishes mistakes. Um, so he came back onto the track and wasn't quite checking his mirrors uh, as much as he should have been and ended up veering into Lando Norris, who was driving by rather quickly and ended up getting tagged on the back right wheel and spinning out. It was kind of a miracle that he didn't hit the wall. <laughs> now that I, you know, that was yeah, my was big really thought impressive. there. He spun in a straight line down the track. <laughs> yep, he did the full 360. Yeah. So that kind of was too bad for Norris. He didn't really have a great race, and uh, that's probably not how he wanted it to end because that's quite the quite the bill for McLaren to fix that. It's just a bad weekend for McLaren overall. Yeah, I I honestly was expecting it. Uh, I don't know if I was expecting it to be this bad, but after their problems in Bahrain being primarily due to heat and then everybody complaining about the heat in Miami, I had kind of a sinking feeling that McLaren was going to struggle, and they did. Yep, on such a, a tight course where you're maybe not getting as much airflow as you would on a higher speed track, it's heat buildup's definitely still a problem, it seems. Yeah, and I can imagine humidity was also... I don't know how much humidity really affects <laughs> engines, but... Uh... I mean, you're intaking essentially water, I guess, if it was super humid. I don't know what the humidity was there, so I don't know why I'm saying this, but <laughs> just a thought. It's Florida. We can assume. We can assume. That was my, yeah, that was my thought process there. <laughs> yeah. No, I wish I had more input on that, but I live in the desert, so I have no idea what this humidity thing is that you're talking about. <laughs> it's nice sometimes, unless it gets too high, and then it's kind of not nice. Oh, Okay. Yeah, just think sweat in the air. <laughs> the air is sweaty, okay. The air is sweaty. Anyways, moving go. on. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Gasly and Norris collided on lap 40, and a safety car came out on lap 41 after um, a virtual safety car was out for the lap before that. Yeah, it took him a long time to implement that uh, full safety car. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. It seemed pretty obvious to me that it was going to need a safety car the second the incident happened, considering where it was. But yeah, uh, they decided to stick to a VSC for a whole lap before they decided to pull the safety car out. Yep, which but, Russell pitted during that virtual safety car, didn't he? Yes, Russell pitted during the virtual safety car, and Perez also pitted during the safety car for the medium tires. So they, I don't, I don't remember what Mercedes did, but I seem to recall that they went in and then they went in again because they had that much of a lead or something like that. But uh, yeah, because yeah, because Hamilton was on softs for like one lap and then he changed back to hards. I think is what happened, which was strange. Think, That's the second so, time yeah. they've done that this year. Or no, I think Aston Martin did that in Australia, but it was just strange. Uh. I have to look into that and as to why that was, but Perez also pitted for mediums. Um, 
and came out right behind Carlos Sainz again. So he really just got a free pit stop, free fresh tires um, to attack Sainz with for the rest of the race. But unfortunately, he really couldn't make any headway because when he got his engine fixed, they had to sacrifice some horsepower just to get him going again. So he lost about 25 horsepower in his engine, which is quite a quite a hefty chunk when it comes to these small percentages. F1 cars are different. Yep. So he was he was losing some time down the straights and was not really able to catch Carlos. He did catch up to him one time and was able to attack him one time into it turn one. It was such one. a good look. It was so close. It was so close. If he didn't lock up, he would have made it. But, uh, yeah, he, he kind of did a dive bomb down the inside of Carlos Sainz in turn one. And uh, locked up just a tad and went just a little bit wide. And Carlos was able to uh, drive back past him. Yeah. So. yeah speaking of uh, being really close on things, uh, my heart sank when Mick had a, a little bit of a collision with Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, Mick Schumacher and Sebastian Vettel did collide. I don't remember what lap it was on. It was late. It was late in the race. Yeah, um, but I think there is what seven, ten or seven laps to go. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah, Schumacher. I I I put the blame on Schumacher. It was kind of they both sent it a little bit, but it was Vettel's corner. So yeah, Mick was he was fighting really hard for those points with Alcon, and I think he let that blind him a little bit and just yeah sent it a little bit too hard. Yeah, he'll get his points eventually. I have no doubt about that. Yeah, but... we saw great racing from him this weekend, so I have no doubt that he's capable of it on any other track. Yeah, he was running tenth, eleventh most of the race, so he he did have a very good race, and he was ahead of his teammate the entire weekend. Kevin Magnussen seemed to struggle a little bit this week. Yeah, yeah. Magnussen ended up... Did anything ever come of the uh, contact between him and... I can't remember who it was, but I remember he was under investigation a couple times during this race. Uh, I don't think anything came out of it. Gotcha. So, not not yeah. that it affected anything anyway. Yeah, just a, a disappointing weekend for Magnussen, but pretty promising for Mick, despite the result. Yeah, but in the closing laps, we had Verstappen and Leclerc fighting it out a little bit. There was a little tiny battle towards the end of the race, but uh, it wasn't too eventful. I think Leclerc sent it on Verstappen around the outside of turn one once. Didn't end up working out, but that was that was pretty much the whole race. It ended up being a Verstappen-Leclerc science podium. Yeah, um, yeah. I do always like it when it comes down to you know, it's not super super far distance between first and second, and Verstappen and Leclerc seem to be pretty well matched this entire season so far. Yeah, in the post race interview, uh, Verstappen and Leclerc were asked what the biggest difference other than tire wear was in their cars, and Max responded with the color. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty good. It seems like they, they know that their cars are pretty evenly matched, and so I think it's going to be a battle between these two for the championship. I really wanted Sainz to get in it, into it, but he's just really not looking like he's got the measure of Leclerc in that Ferrari. Yeah, no. 
And I would like to bring up the fact that Verstappen continues his record of finishing first in every single race that he finishes. Yes, for the stats, Ben. The statistics are still... He either DNFs or wins. Yep, he has won every race he has finished this year. And I'm going to bring impressive. it up every single time it happens. <laughs> yep. So, well, let's go through the results. First was Verstappen, followed by Leclerc and Sainz. Then Perez, Russell, Hamilton, Bottas, Ocon, Albon, Stroll, Alonso, Tsunoda, Ricardo, Latifi, Schumacher, Magnussen, Vettel, Gasly, Norris, and Joe. So notably, Albon scored two points this week for Williams. Yeah, and Bata, or uh, Alcon rather, had a really good race this weekend too. I mentioned previously that he was fighting with Mick uh, for points towards the bottom of the points, but placing eighth after starting pretty far back in the field for pole, or for uh, yeah. qualifying. It was pretty mm-hmm. impressive. I don't remember if he... Did he finish? He finished ahead of Alonso, right? Because Alonso had a five-second penalty. Yeah. Alonso yeah, actually... So he, yeah. Alonso was out of the points, I'm pretty sure. Yep. Alonso finished 11th in the end. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, great race out of Alcon. Yep. So that uh, knocked Albon up to 9th from 10th. So he got an extra point because of that penalty. But uh, the fastest lap was Max Verstappen, and the driver of the day was also Max Verstappen. Yeah, if it hadn't been for qualifying, Verstappen would have had another Grand Slam. Uh, no, because he didn't right? lead every lap. Yeah. Well, he was pretty close to it if he had started better in qualifying. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, yeah if he got place, pole position, then... he might have led every lap. Yeah. That's a fair assumption. Um, we like making assumptions around here. Yeah, it's a it's a big thing, big whole thing. Uh, we're really good at it. And yep, as we're you'll never see wrong. with our predictions for this week's race. Yeah, exactly. We're never wrong. Just, yep. just we're never wrong, Ben. Statistics. <laughs> St- yeah, stats. They never lie. <laughs> All right, so let's just talk about this weekend in general. Uh, I think the presentation of the event was interesting there were some interesting choices made it was so strange it was like they they just tried to shove america in the world's face and it it just didn't come across well not even the cool (laughs) parts of america no it was like yeah it was yeah I i would have much rather seen racing than shots of david beckham or george lucas or whoever else was happening to hang around the paddocks during the race yeah there was there were so many so many celebrities at this race it was kind of a who's who which is weird it it just that's another reason i think it kind of felt like monaco is it's more of a it felt more like a an event than a race really if that makes sense yeah um but there were tons of celebrities they had football helmets on the podium instead of their Pirelli hats they usually wear. They each oh, had a football I know, that helmet. was the weirdest thing. That was... I, I, I cringed so hard when when Leclerc walked out, or Leclerc signs whoever it was, with the football helmet on. <laughs> I was like, they can't be serious. And then I saw Pirelli stamped on the front of it. I was just <laughs> like, I lost all faith in Miami. 
like, sure, I get it. It's in a it's in a football stadium, but I mean, <laughs> it's just so weird. I have expected the trophies to look like Lombardi trophies. Uh, for yeah, it was. If you don't know what that is, essentially, it's the Super Bowl trophy for like the big football game of the year for NFL. It's essentially a, a big rectangle with the football on top. It's very shiny. Yeah. And that was another thing is it seemed like everybody was comparing this event to the Super Bowl. They, they there was every yeah. it, it seems like every 30 minutes they're like, "Oh, this is like this is like the Super Bowl in in Florida. It's it's a huge event. It's <laughs> drawing this huge crowd. It was it was compared to the Super Bowl at least 5 times during yeah, the which, broadcast. All due respect to the Super Bowl, but I think this might have been a little bit bigger than a Super Bowl. I don't honestly think they yeah. generally have pool parties and yachts stationed outside the Super Bowl uh, for people to watch the game from. Yeah, it was it. I I read somewhere that it generated more money than the Super Bowl did in Miami a couple years ago. So that's pretty nuts, and just shows the scale and <laughs> just the scale of the amount of money that passes through F one. And that this this kind of just one-off event in the U.S. generated more money than a Super Bowl, which is just wild to me. Yeah, what did you think about Max Verstappen's ride in the little uh, the little electric vehicle thing, the little Jeep golf and cart thing? That was so weird. Everybody yeah. got to the like the cool down room and the podium before him. Yeah, he he, so. he got this ride in this little Jeep golf cart thing. It was very strange, and they had a police escort to the podium, which was just another riding through the stadium hallways. Yeah, with like sirens on. Room. And if you've never heard police sirens in the U.S., they're very loud. Yeah, and they were in tight concrete corridors. Like it's yeah, it's probably ear piercing. I can't even imagine. It's almost unbearable if one drives by you on the highway. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, it, it was just it was, so much weird. Ah, uh, so weird. It was like a fever dream. Yeah. <laughs> Very strange. But, I mean, along with that, the broadcast I felt could have been better. I feel like the the choices that they made were not great in terms of what they showed on screen and when. Yeah, uh, we missed Alonzo and Gasly colliding, which there was a whole battle before that, so there was really no excuse for them to miss that. But then we missed uh, another battle between I think it was Vettel and Albon and Stroll, and uh, we missed the Vettel and Schumacher collision too. We just got to watch all these on replays like two and a half minutes after they happened. Yeah, <laughs> which I remember sucked. watching it. And they're just showing, I don't remember what they were showing at that point, but over on the left side, you saw the, the leaderboard. Just all of a sudden, there's this flurry of activity uh, around the 10th place. And I was like, what's going on? Man, it'd be cool if there's some way that the camera could show this. Right. Yeah, there's all this activity. Everything's moving around on the scoreboard, and we're just watching Leclerc following a second and a half behind Verstappen. <laughs> <laughs> Nonchalantly. Uh so that just, yeah, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And then I just really hope they get rid of the fan shots. They need to stop. <laughs> they, yeah. They, the fan shots where they just they close up on a group of fans. It's like, I get it, but this isn't a football game and there's no stoppages. Like, show the race. <laughs> yeah, which there was a shot that I liked that was kind of from, 
at the top behind the grandstand, so you kind of saw the audience uh, and the fans from behind. But you also saw the cars go by, uh, which is kind of a cool audience POV perspective. But Isn't that long that, left-hander, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was kind of cool because it gave you perspective just on the, the speed and what was going on from the fans' point of view. But all the other fan shots are just so weird. So many shots of people playing in the pools, which there were pools and a sandcastle at the GP, apparently. Yeah, there were, there were pools, yeah. there were fake pools. Uh, <laughs> the fake water in the marina. It was it was a little wild, but uh, yeah, the one of the one of the fan shots that really <laughs> really kind of upset me was they cut to this lady and then she goes, "Are we on?" and then just started screaming. <laughs> <laughs> I was just oh. like, "Why? This is obviously set up like it." Just I just want to watch the race, but. You know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a huge deal. <laughs> it would just no. been nice to see other things, is all I'm saying. Yeah, at least we had some good racing to go along with it. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, Red Bull, Red Bull's been having some reliability problems still. It seems like they haven't gotten on top of their engine in terms of <laughs> longevity. Not quite, no. Because uh, and uh, even. Even with no problems, AlphaTauri is placed 12th and 3rd, or, no, I'm looking at the wrong thing again. Uh, <laughs> let's see, Sonoda placed 12th, and Gasly was 18th. Granted, Gasly uh, didn't have the greatest race in terms of avoiding contact with their drivers. Yeah. But they, even the AlphaTauris, who had no reliability problems necessarily, just haven't been doing super well. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I... I don't know if they're going to get on top of it. And even if they do, I think it's too late. Like Verstappen's going to hit penalties in the next six, seven races. And they're going to continue to have penalties for the rest of the season. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's wild. Cause Verstappen had another engine problem. And I think free practice two, two or three, where he missed basically the entire practice session because his engine was imploding again. Yep. But yeah, it's they they really need to get on top of it, and I think Verstappen's also on his like third or fourth gearbox, and so <laughs> it's just they're they're really running out of materials, and they're not going to be able to go the rest of the season without penalties. So that's going to I think play a huge part in the championship is the reliability of the Red Bull engine. Obviously, yeah. I mean that's the most obvious statement in the world, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, it kind of it kind of sucks to see. You kind of always hope that all the cars are dead reliable, and you get to just see the driver skill. But such right. is life, I guess. Because now at the end of the season, we're gonna have all the Leclerc fans and all the Verstappen fans screaming at each other about how Max got unlucky and should have won the championship because his engine broke so many yeah. times. Um. I can already see it happening. I can't imagine Twitter getting any better in a year. <laughs> Put that on the bingo card. Yeah. Uh, but on the other on the other side of the thing, Sainz had a really good race for Ferrari, which is good to see him kind of back on track, hopefully. Uh, he's had a rough couple of uh, races before this, but 
he finished third on the podium and got some good points for Ferrari. And so I would say it was a successful venture for him this week. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to see Sainz have a, a good race for once, even if his practices were a little bit rocky. Yep. And then moving on to Mercedes, George Russell is just Mr. Consistency. He's still finished top five in every single race. And He's been doing great. Yeah, considering he, at the beginning of the race, was in 15th place and then managed to battle all the way back up through the field when no one else was really passing. He was the one person that really cut through the field to the top. He did get lucky with that safety car and was able to get a free pit stop, essentially. But that really only gained him, I'd say, 8 to 10 seconds in the long run, which jumped him ahead of Hamilton, but that was about it. Yeah, because he started further back than Hamilton, didn't he? Yeah, he started in, I think, 11th or 12th, and Hamilton Hamilton started, like, 6th, I believe? 5th or 6th? Yeah. I think so. Uh, so. Same row as Bottas, so I think 6th. Yeah, because Bottas started 5th, that's right. Yep. Um, Haas seems to be struggling now. They have consistently, I'd say, for the last three or so races, been kind of 14th, 15th. Um, this race, Schumacher did well. He was up in 10th for a while, but... Uh, you know, that form of Magnussen getting P5 or whatever it was in Bahrain just didn't really seem to stick, which is kind of kind of sucks because I wanted to see Haas do really well this year. Yeah, I wanted to see them carry that momentum forward. And they continue to have just on and off again qualifying performance. Yeah, it seems like they, they kind of get, I don't know if they get caught up in traffic and are just unlucky or what it is, but They'll qualify really well in one race, and then next race just not really be anywhere, even though it doesn't really seem like their pace is dropped off. I think it's just another factor, again, of the cars being so close together that just different tracks are going to suit different teams, and, you know, maybe Haas just didn't, hasn't gotten gotten their track in the rotation in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, maybe Coda, they'll be able to channel a bit more home field advantage. Hopefully they don't have to wait that long. <laughs> that's in october so uh hopefully they can get kind of on track before then if my luck it'll still be snowing yeah well it'll probably be snowing again yeah by the time coda hits (laughs) so yeah yeah i i think this is a really promising track uh the the race was pretty boring i'm not gonna lie but i don't think it was the track's fault I think it was the conditions. It was really hot. The track was brand new. It hasn't been rubbered in or anything yet. I don't know if it's going to be like that every year or what what the what the situation's going to be like, but uh there are a solid few overtaking opportunities on the track. So I think it could be I think it could be a good venue for races in the future. Uh even if this race wasn't super great, the first race in Azerbaijan wasn't super great. It was pretty similar to this, actually, where nobody really crashed, and it was pretty uneventful. But uh, we know that Azerbaijan has the ability to generate some craziness. Yep. Yeah, the main improvements I'd be looking for at Miami are, uh, in terms of track itself, hopefully just a little a little better surface prep. 
It's kind of entertaining to see the drivers really challenged on track surfaces, but I think it might help a little bit with the racing through the corners to have a bit more consistent surface. Yeah. A lot of the drivers were complaining about the really tight 1-2 chicane uh, kind of about halfway through the lap, but I actually liked it. I th- I, it's, yeah, I like seeing them really challenged. Tough and, yeah, that's what I'm thinking is it looks really, really difficult which is why they're complaining, but I think that's also good because it means they have to <laughs> take it easy and not push too hard through there. They're going to pay the consequences like Max almost did in, in one of the practice sessions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then please, Miami, just fix the podium ceremony. Yeah, let's not do that again, please. <laughs> that was not a good representation of Americans. <laughs> no, that was... Yeah. Anyways, should we talk about the championship update? Yes, we have a championship update for F1 as well, because I don't think we've done one yet, and that kind of feels wrong. So, in first place in the Drivers' Championship is Charles Leclerc at 104 points, followed by Max Verstappen at 85, and Sergio Perez at 66. George Russell's in fourth, Carlos Sainz is in fifth, and Lewis Hamilton is in sixth. I'm trying to see if there's any notable, anything notable past that. Not really. Bottas is an eighth. Yeah, Yuki Tsunoda breathing on Daniel Ricciardo's neck for eleventh. Yeah, Tsunoda's beating Gasly at the moment. Yeah, didn't didn't yeah, see that's that coming. Something I expected. Um, Alcon is thrashing Alonso, but Alonso's had kind of some bad luck in the last few races, so it's been hit or miss. Yeah, it's great yeah. to see Alcon break the top ten. Yeah, but uh, we'll go to Constructors' Championship. In first place is Ferrari, followed by Red Bull Racing and Mercedes. And then in fourth is McLaren, followed by Alfa Romeo, Alpine, Alfa Torre, Haas, Aston Martin, and Williams. Yep. Yeah, really, at this point, the only two teams competing for first are Ferrari and Red Bull. Mercedes is over 50 points behind Red Bull. Yeah, it's a two-horse race at this point. I can't see Mercedes really getting back into it, even... like Because I could see them getting to the point where they're consistently finishing, uh, like, fifth and sixth, you know? But I don't think we're ever going to see them really challenging for the top. We might see a couple couple more Mercedes podiums this year. Uh, if some craziness happens at the front, which tends to happen a couple times. Um, but I think the battles that are going to be interesting uh, are McLaren, Alfa Romeo, and say Aston Martin Williams will be fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Alfa Torre versus Haas. That's not that something be, I thought I would be seeing this season. Could be interesting. Yep, and then Alpine versus Alfa Alpine might have an opportunity to cap up to McLaren if this race was any indication. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Alpine, Alpine's actually looked really fast all year. It's just they seem to have bad luck so far and kind of just yep. in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, they really but... just need to have less bad luck than McLaren at this point, though. Yeah, that's hard to do having... <laughs> <laughs> well, not hard to do, I should say, having less bad luck than McLaren at the moment. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, we will move on to our overtake of the week. 
which I gave to Philippe Albuquerque overtaking Tom Blancvist at uh, Laguna Seca in the corkscrew. I just couldn't not give it to that. Yep, that was gutsy. Yeah. All right, now we'll move on to the Pit Stop Championship. Coming in first place, surprise, surprise, the man himself again, Sergio Perez, followed by Max Verstappen. So, uh, Red Bull on top again. <laughs> Who would have guessed? Yeah, and uh, McLaren actually had some pretty pretty poor pit stops this, this week, so kind of a shocker from them. Usually they're up there at the top. Yeah. But Dan Ricardo got 10th place in his scoring one point. Uh, so the top 10 were Perez, Verstappen, Hamilton, Sunoda, Gasly, Ocon, Russell, Stroll, Latifi, and Ricardo. Yep, very good job to those drivers for really getting out there and getting those tires changed. Yeah, <laughs> takes a takes a certain skill set. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so the spread between first and tenth was point eight four seven seconds. So pretty tight in there, and most of that was actually between, well not most, but a good chunk of it was between first and second, because Perez's pit stop was over three-tenths faster than the second fastest pit stop, which is kind of nuts. Yeah. Um, but then first to 19th, which was the, there were only 19 pit stops this race, um, was 3.63 seconds, and Carlos Sainz had the slowest pit stop. His took forever. <laughs> a long time. Torturous. Torturously slow. Alright, now my, I think, new favorite uh, segment is our predictions, because it's just always so bad. <laughs> uh, even though we're always right. Let's talk yeah. about Miami. I'll uh, yeah. let you talk about your picks, and then I will choose first for the Spanish Grand Prix predictions. Okay, so my first was Verstappen. Followed by Leclerc, Perez, Sainz, Norris, with Russell as my dark horse potentially doing well. Uh, Russell did do pretty well. Norris did not. Yep. So obviously uh, I had Sainz and Perez mixed up there, but I'm actually feeling pretty good about that prediction. Yeah. I had Sainz, Leclerc, Perez, Verstappen, Ricardo with my dark horse as Norris. So I'm not feeling too good about that one. I got Leclerc, I got Leclerc right. This is a, a rare win for me, I think. Yeah, you got this one for sure. <laughs> uh, I had both McLarens doing well, which didn't happen. I had Perez beating Verstappen, which didn't happen. I had Sainz beating Leclerc, which didn't happen. So, <laughs> awesome. Who had your? Uh, <laughs> who was your fastest lap prediction, Ben? I had Perez trying fastest lap prediction. So, uh, right team, wrong driver. Yep. I had Leclerc, so wrong team, wrong driver. <laughs> uh, driver of the day, you had who? I won. I had Verstappen. You had Wait, Verstappen. Verstappen was driver of the day, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I won. You did it. See, we're always right. Finally. And I had Magnuson, which was also correct. <laughs> um (laughs) all right uh anyways top five for the spanish grand prix in barcelona 
Uh, trying to remember how this track tends to who who this track tends to suit. And I want to say how much gravel is there? Oh, there's a bit of gravel, so signs might mm. be in trouble. Um, yeah, I'm worrying. But let's see. I am gonna say Leclerc wins this one, and then Verstappen, and then. Perez, and then Science fourth, and I'm gonna say Fernando Alonso fifth. What? Shock and awe. Yeah, and then my dark horse will be George Russell. Okay. I think for mine, then gonna have to go for stopping just to be the contrarian first. Followed by Leclerc. Uh, I think Perez third makes sense. And then I'm going to put Russell fourth. I don't think Sainz is going to finish. I think there's no oh. chance. There's gravel there. There's very there dangerous. gravel. So we'll yep. see. Yeah, he gets tunnel vision. And then for fifth, I'm going to say... Fifth is, fifth is a tough one. Um... You know, I'll put Hamilton fifth, Hamilton and then fifth. my dark horse. I'm going to put Alcon. Okay. So both of us going with an Alpine driver doing pretty well. Yep. I'm just saying Alonso because it's the Spanish Grand Prix. That's pretty much my reasoning there. So <laughs> He's the Spanish driver at least, or the uh, most resistant to gravel traps. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't want science to go and get stuck in the gravel in this home race. Please don't say that. <laughs> oh, in front of all of his home fans. No, I don't. I don't wish that on him. Um, fastest lap prediction. I am going to say. I'll say Verstappen. I'm going to go Verstappen too. Okay, driver of the day. I'm going to say Fernando Alonso. Uh. Hmm. I'm gonna say Russell this time. Okay. Any reason why? Uh well if he if he has another really poor qualifying and then manages to finish fourth like I have him, I think I think that deserves a driver of the day. He'll be driver of the day in my heart. There you go. It could be like uh how it works in the F one video game, where the driver of the day is just automatically whoever had the most overtakes in the race. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> which honestly I feel like is a pretty good system, but uh, it's not how it works when fans vote. So, yeah. Oh well. Yeah. How are uh, moving on to our just general discussion segment? How are things going with your racing team? Oh man, uh, so we we gave the car a test fire last weekend or this week, and fired right up. Did great. And we are currently cutting out our pedal box to completely uh, redesign it. So that's where we are right now. So hopefully we get out on the, the chassis dynamometer to get a tune set and get some testing done this Wednesday. And then hopefully our first drive day for the car uh, this coming weekend on Saturday. We have, um, as of on Thursday, no, Wednesday? Thursday. Anyways, uh, we have about 
30 days, a little more, 34 days until our competition. So we're entering the crunch phase right now. Fun stuff. Yep. <laughs> I will uh, definitely want to keep myself informed on that. Do you have anything else you'd like to say to the wonderful people before we sign out, Ben? Uh, pray for the end of the snow, please. Okay, let's pray that Ben stops freezing. <laughs> I need to mow my lawn. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, thank you everybody so much for listening to this episode of Rev Hang. If you'd like to follow our thoughts and opinions on the motorsport world, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Rev Hang Media. If you have any thoughts or questions about racing, or even about us, post a tweet at hashtag RevHangPodcast, and we may even feature your question on the next show. If you'd like to learn more about Ben's race car, you can follow his team at OIT Racing on Instagram. You can also follow Ben on Instagram at BenjiMeetsWorld, and or myself at 2N underscore squared. While you're viciously surfing the internet, hitting every follow button we offer, go check out our website, RevHang.com where you can find updated standings for the racing series we talk about, along with our horrific predictions for the F1 season. We will return in two weeks to talk about the Spanish Grand Prix in Barcelona. But until then, I have been Nathan. Uh, like, follow, subscribe, all that if you want to hear uh, more opinions on uh, the Miami Grand Prix. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out, guys. We'll see you next time.